Hi, I'm Jay Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. Still in lockdown once again. The sun is shining now, and joining me, joining myself, Luke Edwards, as always, it is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Although you weren't here last week, so welcome. I suppose it's a welcome back, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. It was lovely last week not to take any part and then just listen to the podcast. It was good fun, so we'll have to try that again sometime. <laughs> well, get rid of you for a week. Yeah, that's <laughs> And we've also got Tom Long. Hello, Tom. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And uh, we've, had, uh, we've had coaches on, we've had managers on. Uh, we've had nearly everything at the minute. Uh, what we haven't had on yet is a player, and we've bro- brought that trend this week. We've got Barnet FC skipper and former Aldershot skipper as well, and skipper of a couple of other clubs that we'll get on to shortly. It's Callum Reynolds. Hello, Callum. Hello there. Before we uh, before we get on, Callum, I've got I don't know if you saw the non-league paper last Sunday, but um, it was a uh, well at the minute we're all in lockdown, aren't we? So there's, there's virtual football going on, and, and non-league paper did a. A football manager, sort of, how the season will end. And at the minute, as you know, Barnet are, are well behind in terms of games. But in football manager, they sneak into the playoffs in the last game. They then sneak through the playoff semis. They, they reach the final and uh, comfortably beat Yeovil in the final at Wembley. So virtual Callum Reynolds is uh, getting promoted and winning a, a playoff trophy. Yeah, I did. I did see that, actually. Um, I wish it was as easy as that. But <laughs> unfortunately... Uh... I don't think it's gonna it's gonna play out as a virtual um, ending, but from what I'm hearing, that could be the only the only possible solution at the minute. Yeah, well, it's interesting. There's a lot of if you do get this weekend's non-league paper, there is uh, some really good uh, articles in there. There's, there's the Oval Chairman, there's Brian Barwick, and there's also uh, Paul Doswell as well, all with different views. It's and like Brian Barwick says, you're not going to please everyone with the outcome. I mean, from a player's point of view and in terms of, if you had a, a say in how, the, how Barnett votes and, and, and what the players think of it all? Yeah, it's um, it's just, it's such a unique situation that we're in. And like you said, not, whatever happens, there's going to be people that aren't happy. I've got a friend who plays for Hayes, uh, Hayes and Yedin. Uh, they've been flying this season. I think they were third in the league and the their season has just been stopped and null and void completely. Uh, obviously, ours is still don't really know what's going on, but I think because the position we're in, um, and if it goes if it goes to the playoffs on a points per game situation, then we do Barnet gets gets in. I think at seventh. Um, but again, like you said, there's there's always going to be people that aren't happy, and even with one solution. It just comes with so many more questions that people just can't answer at the minute, and I don't. I don't think that's not just in football either. I think that's just in in business and life, um, which people just don't have the answers for at the minute. Because cool, because we've not been in this situation before. Callum, question from me: um, Is it as cut and dried? You know, if you were a Barnet player, fan, whatever, you'd think, well, oh, we want, we want, um, yeah, by all means, finish it, give it points per game. We, you know, we'll finish seventh. We'll be in the playoffs, but it's not as it's not as black and white as that, is it? Um, is, would that necessarily be, or is that Barnet's vote, or uh, Barnet one of the teams that have abstained at the minute until it's clearer what the follow-up vote is? I, I wish I could tell you, but I, I haven't got a clue. I don't know. I've not been reading too much on anything really in the current situation. Um, 
but I've heard about how teams have been voting and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know what what their stance is, what their position is. Um, I'd like to think that they'd vote for us to finish it, whether it is through just the playoffs, because it gives us gives the club a chance, an opportunity for promotion. There's something to play for. Do you know what I mean? But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you what is the thinking or thought process. I'd heard that this week something was going to happen and there was going to be a vote this week. Um, but it's Sunday now and I'm doubtful anything will come out today. I also heard I've got a friend who works at a Premier League club um, and they've, they're in a similar situation. They're having votes. Um, and it's been quite interesting to find out who the team's that have voted for the seasons to carry on have been. Yeah, and, and another thing that's not clear as well, I think, uh, is is the deadline for this vote. You'd think it would be this is the choice, get on, you know, give the give the clubs a, a few days or a week, but apparently it's May the seventh, which is which is kind of staggering to me. Um, that is still uh, what three weeks away, so it, it, it is a little bit of a bizarre one. On the financial side of things, um, Callum, I know Barnett were very quick to, um, you know, to uh, to look at their staffing situation. And since then, obviously, the government have, have um, you know, come up with their scheme to, to ensure that uh, jobs can be kept open for people, which hopefully is a bit of relief to some of those employed at uh, Barnet. But um, from your point of view, in terms of financial support from higher up, you mentioned you've got a pal who's at a Premier League club. Um, where do you stand on that one? Do you feel they should? Do you think what they've done by advancing payments is enough? There's always... They come under a lot of scrutiny of Premier League players, even even with this situation, asking them to take pay cuts. Um, but it's you'd think that with the position that the clubs are in, um, and for the sake of football, because it's not just... I don't think it's just non-league clubs, but I think there'll be a lot of league clubs as well, which are going to be... They, they don't know what the future is going to hold. And for the sake of a year of Premier League teams taking a hit on these massive payments, they're not going to, it's not going to have to be a massive, a massive hit for them. But if some of that money is then uh, distributed between teams lower down um, in the Football League and obviously in the non-league, um, I don't see why they wouldn't do it for the sake of, for the sake of football, do you know what I mean? If it's if it's one year to help people sort of stabilise from whenever we come out of this position, you'd like you'd like to think that they do all they can to do that and support them because everyone loves football and you've got fans that are just as passionate, if not more, um, in the non-league than you have in the Premier League, and that's what it's about. It's for the community and the fans' football. Obviously, we love playing it as players. It is just a game at the end of the day, but it's not, especially with people's livelihoods involved with the club um, that are on the non non playing side of things. So yeah, it would be it would be a massive thing, and I think it would. I don't know. I think it would probably bridge a bit of a gap because you know, the Premier League seems to just be miles away from everyone, doesn't it? Even as fans watching. Um, it would be, but yeah, I'd like to think that something could be done to help to help teams lower down in the football pyramids. You, you mentioned about livelihoods, and uh, you know it's really refreshing to hear players talking about how everyone's concerned about the non-playing stuff. But obviously, you guys have got your livelihoods wrapped up in the game as well. Um, now, up at the Premier League end, 
furloughing players is obviously never going to be an option when people are earning millions of pounds a month. But do you think that clubs might start to look into the furlough scheme for players if this drags on? Yeah, uh, well, definitely. Um, like you said, especially um, teams like traditional non-league teams that maybe haven't been in the Football League and rely on even the gates, if you like, from home home and away support. Um, and I think it's, it's there for four businesses to to kind of survive throughout this. I don't know what their kind of employment employment scheme is with that. Obviously players are on a contract, so there's a start date and a finish date. Um whereas some people that work on match days, I don't know what kind of contracts they're on and how that works. Um but it's um yeah, I think there's quite a few clubs um that have already started using it. Um and I completely agree if it helps the club to stay afloat, um, they're well within their rights to kind of use that. I read a really good article with James Chester on The Athletic this week where he was talking about how difficult it is to maintain fitness when you have absolutely no idea when the season's going to continue. Um, what sort of stuff have the club put in place for you? Um, or, and what's your role as a leader in the dressing room as well around making sure that the lads are still doing their fitness? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because... Normally you have a break at the end of the season. You have like a couple of weeks where you chill out, go on your holidays, and then you kind of back to it, doing a little bit, and you're working towards a date. But yeah, it's tough, especially I found last Monday after Easter weekend, not that I did anything particularly special for Easter, um, weren't seeing family or doing anything, but I woke up on the Monday and I just thought, oh, what's, <laughs> what's the point? What am I working towards? There's no kind of end goal. Um, but they're the kind of days where you've got to be professional about it and and maintain that base level of fitness because we don't know what's going to happen. If it goes back into a playoff situation, we're, we're not probably going to have a lot of time to get back up to sort of match speed. Sometimes if you go to the gym, if, you, if you're not feeling not feeling up to it and you see someone else working hard, it kind of gives you a bit of a kick or a boost. Or if you're at football, you're doing it as a team. So yeah, the psychological side of having to do it by your own and not knowing when you're going to go back is definitely, well, if we do go back to play and then we'll see, we'll see who's been doing a bit and who hasn't pretty quickly. Basically, you're indulging in Easter eggs, weren't you, Callum? That's what happened last week. Do you know what? I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was. I think I kind of I do my work during the week and I had Saturday and Sunday off. Uh, to be fair as well, I woke up. It was cold on Monday. It was cold and windy. It was one of those crap days where it would have been easy to stay inside. But once I got up and got going, I don't, I don't find it too hard. Once, once I'm out there, it's just getting out there. It's the first bit. And in terms of the season, you knew what you had ahead of you because you had the most games in hand and everyone. It was a bit of a stop-start over Christmas, wasn't it? So you, you had that sort of goal to say, well, I know teams want points on the ball, but you had the games in hand, so you knew what you had to do to get in those playoffs, didn't you? Yeah, and it's a funny one because I think if we were in the playoffs already and other teams had games in hand, you could say the pressure was more on them. Um, but we were in a position where, yeah, where we had the games. I think we had four games in hand and four points outside the playoffs. And worst case scenario, draw all the games and then we're level on points or you just have to win one and draw one out of four. Uh, but we was in a yeah we was in a really good turn of form after Barrow away last December, 
we'd only lost one game and that was away to Soliol to a penalty, um, which in another day, it was a penalty, don't get me wrong. Another day, though, I think we'd have got a result there because um, we restricted them quite a lot in the game. So you're looking at our form, we were in a good good position and confident knowing that we had games in hand. And I think if if we'd have won all of them, we could have gone up to third, I think. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but so we knew, yeah, we was in quite a good position. Um, and playing teams in and around us, we knew if we got results, it was almost like a double blow to them, dragging them back and also getting points on the board. Interestingly as well, there's a quick question asked to Brian Barwick about the, the steps three and seven. You mentioned Hayes before, Callum, and th- th- Brian Barwick almost said, well, they're recognised at the top of the top of that pyramid, so they're kind of separated away from all the others, which is why they're making a different decision. I mean, I don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, so I I kind of agree with what Brian Barwick's saying there. Um, mm. This is something we sort of addressed in the conversation with Steve King the other week, isn't it? Where we said that if, for example, as has happened, steps three to six cancel the season, yet the National League decides to play on, then you end up questioning well, what happens with promotion relegation. I know Steve King answered that and said there will be no one relegated from those leagues to step three. But um, it's a really difficult position for the National League because they're the... They're, you know, a lot of people who aren't non-league fans don't realise that the National League is pretty much almost a fully professional division now. Um, and that they are that first interface between the fully professional football leagues and the fully semi-to-amateur non-league. So they're in a very difficult position and they have to balance those high-level concerns around TV contracts, around, you know, they have longer-term player contracts. There'll be very few players below Step 2, for example, who will have contracts running beyond the summer. That's not going to be the case at clubs like Callum's, for example. No, and uh, I mean, I know Dickie had a bit of a conversation with BBC Sports Ian Dennis on Twitter this week because he tweeted basically saying that, that National League clubs are currently split regarding the end of the season. Uh, he, man, he managed to speak to all 24. He make up 32 of the votes. Ten clubs want the season to end immediately. Four would like it to continue. Nine are undecided and one club politely refused to give an answer, which is... Yeovil, I think, which is what they revealed in the non paper today. The, the chairman's in there saying he'll just go with the majority, really. But uh, it's, it's it's a bit of a funny situation still, isn't it? Yeah, this is the thing. I think if with the voting, and I don't know what they're voting for. I don't think, obviously, I don't think there's realistically a chance of playing the actual rest of the games out uh, just because of the time and financial and the, obviously the health and safety situation. And then what do you vote for next? Do you vote for playoffs only on the points per game? Because then, really, you're only going to get the votes for the teams that are going to make that playoff situation. I heard there's another scenario where possibly you just vote for the top two at the minute to go up, which, again, can't see anyone other than them two voting for that. Um, I don't know if there'd be a vote on relegations as well. Um, I'd heard there could be a vote to have... A playoff situation with the relegation teams because obviously Fylde and Eversley have had a bit of a turn in form and they're not far away from things. So yeah, I can't. The best case said before was the vote for the playoffs and the points per game situation. But anyone who's not going to be involved in that, I can't see them. There's no point in them voting for that for that to happen. It's just a, it's a strange one. Nobody knows at the moment, do they? You really don't. I mean, I've got a strong gut feeling that uh, ultimately 
sadly, and I don't agree with it, but I, my gut feeling is that eventually it'll all be called null and void, and uh, we might just see the one solitary promotion, um, which which in itself which in itself will cause argument and discussion, certainly from Harrogate's point of view. But I don't know anybody who would begrudge Barrow being given um, the. Uh, 72nd place in the National League vacated by Berry on merit but um, it wasn't done uh, and strange things happen in football. I've got a vested interest lovely place Barrow but I've been there the last five years. I really wanted to go up so I don't have to do that trip again. <laughs> I think um, one other thing which uh, Callum certainly might want to think about is if they do decide to give two promotions how would they decide where that playoff promotion goes? And when we look historically through how playoffs have turned out it's often the club that's in the best form approaching the playoffs as opposed to the club who sits highest in the playoff positions who who performs the best um and on current form if you go points per game Woking would finish in seventh which give oh, sorry um, Barnet would finish in seventh which gives them a playoff position and they'd then be uh the second most informed team in those playoff spots behind Harrogate Town so um maybe you could make an argument that Barnet deserve one of those play- promotion spots as well yeah, that's that's the thing because of our because of our upturn in form and results and points points per game that we've been doing we we put ourselves kind of in that position. If it does come to it, hopefully it does. Um, but then it's how long how long do you wait? Realistically, you don't see the current state of the country, um, especially playing a football game. Just can't see it anytime soon. Um, obviously, going into another three-week lockdown sort of period, it's not an essential, if you like, job that needs to be done. As much as we love it, and it's not not trying to put it down, but in terms of what the country needs at the minute, I don't know. Maybe some people do need football back in their lives. Um, but yeah, it's, you just have an idea. There's so many questions. Um, you just hope, and I just hope that something happens because the hard work that all the clubs put in from last, well, July in pre-season, you'd hate to see it come to nothing, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've 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 done this to death. And the final question on it is: we had Steve King on the other week. He just mentioned about um, a season with a month-long tournament in the summer. I mean, would you be up for that, Callum? As I say, you do points per game for the league and then just have a quick tournament for uh, the playoffs and do it that way and then get stuck into the season after? Yeah, that's. I, I would be in favour of that. Um, and I don't think it's too unrealistic because the playoffs, whatever position you're in, it, you could fit it in in two weeks. Do you know what I mean? The first, The first two games... Um, could be a midweek, the second round, if you like, of the games being on the that weekend, and then the final the following weekend. Um, so that would be as fair as you could be, really, uh, if you did it on a points per game scenario. Uh, you'd still have that playoff situation where you've got the opportunity to to get the promotion. No, absolutely. It's a, it seems a good idea, and it, you could have it as a pre-season because in pre-season you play every three or four days anyway. So it's certainly got a thumbs up. So if the authorities are listening, I mean, Ollie at the National League, if he's listening, there we go. We've had a player and a manager say they're both on it. So let's get it on. <laughs> Just a final uh, quick one on this before we move on. A tweet out on uh, the morning we record this podcast from your old teammate, Kins, uh, Lewis Kinsella, Callum Reynolds. 
Um, yeah. He, sa he says, if every Premier League club and Championship club played a friendly, and this is all over with a National League club, um, would the ticket prices from the game be enough to support the teams financially? Question mark. Be a bit like George Best when he took a team to Dunstable Town. Yeah, I did see that. And at the time, I thought it, like, it makes sense. But then how much... Obviously, you probably split the money evenly. Um, but again, with with money in, in especially top level football now, you just imagine someone got injured from one of the top teams. Um, one of the I don't know one of the best players say, like you've got Liverpool top of the league at the minute, and say Van Dijk broke his leg in this friendly. It would just I think there's too much. I hate to say it, but there's too much money involved in the top level now. As, gr as great an idea as it would be, I think. Uh, what I mean, not only that, not only that, Callum, but what if you, you know, you like you pulled your hamstring trying to chase Sadio Mane? Well, exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if he went clear, I'd let him go because I would have captured him. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, mm. no, it, it sounds like a good idea and. But I think it would be too hard to do. I think it'd be too hard to do that. Well, we applaud the we applaud the the idea, Kins, and, uh, and and good to know that you you're uh, applying your brain as well as uh, getting yourself back to full fitness. This is a message from the government and the NHS about how to protect yourself and others from coronavirus. Wash your hands more often than usual, for 20 seconds each time. Use soap and water or a hand sanitizer when you get home or arrive at work. When you blow your nose, sneeze or cough, and when you eat or handle food. For more information, go to nhs.uk forward slash coronavirus. Protect yourself and others. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Callum, let's move things on a little bit um, uh, to something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun in these difficult times. Um, we set you the challenge of... Uh, uh, picking your best kind of conference 11 from the last, what, 12, 13 years or so, which is, is, is pretty much the time you've you've been playing at this level, isn't it? Boreham Wood, Rushton and Diamonds, Aldershot, Barnet. Have I missed anyone out? Were you at Luton as well? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I went, went on loan to Luton uh, from Portsmouth and then actually started off. First, it was a loan at Basingstoke, I think when I was 18. And then when I left Portsmouth, I ended up signing there for a few months as well. So... Yeah, I went from non-league, well, actually signed a scholarship with Rushton when I was in League Two at the time. They got relegated, um, spent a year there, then got taken to Portsmouth with Paul Hart, with a couple other boys, um, Hugo Udoji, who's won the Conference South. He won it when Bromley did it, the year that I got went up with Bournemouth. And Paris Cowan Hall, who's at Colchester now. So went non-league to Premier League, and then my knees gave up on me, and I went back to non-league. So I've never, never been in between. Interesting. I was, I was, so have you? You have played league football before, Colin? Because I mean, we we're chatting about this. You, you have spent quite a few seasons in the national league now, and you've been at three clubs in the national league and been captain at all of them as well. Yeah. Now I've never, I've never, I've never made an appearance in the football league, um, unfortunately. Um, the closest I got was at Portsmouth the year they got relegated a few boys were in the squad um, a couple of lads made their debuts I got tendonitis in both of my 
and I got to a stage where I could hardly walk and then I had to tell the physio because I started training. I was training and started declining and I thought then I'm never going to get picked from training like this. So I might as well tell them, tell them the problem. And then, yeah, I was out. I thought I was going to have to retire. So I didn't play for six months. I couldn't train for more than two days in a row and it just took so long to get to get back to a level of even fitness. Um, and then when I did, that's when I went back to Basingstoke for about six months, I think. Um, just before Christmas, I joined there. And luckily, I made it through, and touch wood, my knees have been okay since then. You've done really, really well, given all the uh, setbacks, Callum, and, and, and you see it you know, when you talk to and you get to know a lot of players at this level and higher levels as well. Um, I know Mick Payne, uh, talked about how many knockbacks a lot of the lads that uh, made the England C uh, squad have had as well. One of the things I was going to say to you is uh, you've. Um, I, I think this is quite unusual and quite refreshing for a defender. Every other defender that I've known, it's just purely the, the focus always is going to be on not conceding, not conceding. You, you do your job. You know, if the strikers do their job or not, that's down to them. But overall, you're marshalling the defence, etc. But I think you personally, even though you're a defender, I've formed the opinion that you love the attacking side of the game. I don't mean personally yourself, but what I'm referring to is in those two playoff seasons at Aldershot, you, you, you and I know this, uh, some others don't, but Aldershot defended with you, Jake Cole and Will Evans, didn't you? Everybody else bombed yeah. forward. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, I've, I've, said, I've had this conversation a few times with coaches and managers um, and I said, if I just headed it and kicked it whenever it came near me, then I probably would have been playing in the Football League for, a, well, a lot earlier um, for most of my career. But, yeah, I love, I love to play football and I love to play with the ball. Um, and even starting attacks, there's a lot of times we'd build out from the back um, and get the ball from the goalkeeper. And maybe making a good pass that gets us into the final third and the goal comes from it, or just if it's a good team build-up play as well. Um, so yeah, I love, I love thinking me wrong. I love defending. If I have to roll my sleeves up and get stuck in and just defend, then I happily do that. But I love to play with the ball as well. And I know if I'm playing the ball, eventually the striker's going to give up chasing me. If I keep getting it and keep keeping the ball, he might chase me down for sort of I don't know five, even ten, and keep going. But I know it's just grinding him down because it's harder. It's a lot of coaches will say this and managers and players, but it's harder. I don't know why, but it's harder when you're chasing the ball. It's harder to run when you don't have it than when you do. So, yeah, no, I do I do enjoy playing playing with the ball as much as defending without it. So somebody who has uh, recognised some of your better qualities and traits, a friend of the uh, podcast, actually, Adam Virgo, he comes on a couple of times a season. I know he's... He's named you in his uh, conference team of the year on a couple of occasions. And uh, we used to joke about it at Aldershot, didn't we, that, that so many weeks you were probably like second when it came to the man of the match. Didn't get enough. I think one of the reasons that you suffered there was was because your standards were so high and you were a good seven or eight out of ten every week. And therefore, people didn't really sort of it didn't stand out as much as somebody who normally gets six out of ten. You suddenly put an eight in. Yeah, and um, I kind of learned that as well as I've got older, especially the centre half. It's hard, unless you're defending, doing a lot of defending, which is what most of the people will see. But to get man of the match, and even 
like when I was younger, I thought I had to do something special. But as a defender, you don't. You need to be. You almost need to be boring and reliable in your job. But yeah, I, I like to think I played over the two years consistently. Like you said, the performances were sort of seven eights out of tens. Um, and the only time you might notice anything different was probably if I dropped in in, in levels. But without sounding sort of big headed. I can't really, can't really remember more than a couple of games where I wasn't at the level where I can get to. So do you know what I mean? That consistent level. It's pretty frightening, though, sometimes as a professional footballer, Callum, when you're right on the edge of fit and fit to drop. And uh, I don't think I'm sharing too many secrets if I say that in the uh, uh, the games against Tranmere towards the end of the season, the playoff season, uh, there were times, weren't there, where you you started games and you had such trouble that you if somebody sprinted at you or passed you in the first 10-15 minutes you were worried weren't you because it almost took you that long to get to, to get your legs going yeah I remember quite clearly the it was about Easter time the first year we went up there to play the two all and yeah and um, I remember I remember Russ was our physio and the strongest thing he had was ibuprofen and, and paracetamol. And I remember speaking to some of the boys, trying to get something stronger. And uh, I can't remember who it was, but he recommended me to get the only stuff you get over the counter, which is as strong as prescribed stuff. It was for, it was for period pains. Because it had some type of drug in it. I know it sounds crazy, but it had some type of drug in it, which was stronger than them, which mm. was the equivalent of what you could only get prescribed. Yeah. And I just remember taking about the morning of the game, from breakfast up until the game, I probably took a mixture of about 12 tablets altogether. And I just remember in the warm-up, I, I didn't feel great, but the pain, it helped the pain a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people just see you come out on a, on a Saturday maybe for an hour and a half or a Tuesday as well, but they don't realise the stuff you have to go through for the rest of the week, the aches and pains and things you have to do to try and just get through games sometimes because that's what it was sort of at that stage. It was just getting through them um, and hoping that you didn't really let the boys down. Um, but that's that's the reality of it, and especially now with the game is getting quicker and more physical. It's just a reality, really, of how football's played. Let's move on then, Callum, to your uh, best conference 11. We gave you a bit of a criteria, but just 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 set it up for us, really. How how did you set about doing it? Um, Tom, we, we've all had a glance at it already. Um, we'll get you to read it out in just a moment. But uh, a bit of an unusual formation. Was that just something you did to accommodate the uh, the players you wanted to get in? Yeah, kind of. Um, a lot of the... It's a very, very attacking team. <laughs> um, but yeah, apart from... There's only three, three in the 11 that I didn't play with but I played against. And then one one that I just watched when I was younger as well. Um, but everyone on the bench, played with everyone on the bench. Uh, I had to put a bench in because there was just so many good ones that I couldn't include, and I couldn't play six up front either. So Yeah, we didn't... We didn't... We deliberately didn't tell Callum he could pick some subs because we knew he would anyway, and if we gave him five, he'd have took seven. 
No, I'd, I'd love to see six up front, Callum. It would leave you a lot to do defensively, although I noticed you've not picked yourself in this. Are you manager? Yeah, I thought I thought about uh, putting myself in there, but um, yeah, no, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. <laughs> I'd, um, you dropped yourself. You should, you should have got Adam Virgo just, to I, pick the side. <laughs> yeah, true. Now, to be fair, looking at it now, it would have been great to play with uh, at centre-half with McNulty. Just to learn off of him would have been a brilliant experience. So you've picked uh, you picked in goal then Simon Moore um, at Farnborough, Richard Tate from when he was at Tamworth, Steve McNulty who's obviously currently at York but he's played at Barrow, Fleetwood, Luton and Tranmere, Neil Taylor who's in the Premier League with Villa, he he was at Wrexham, Keith Keane at Luton, George Boyd, we all know about him, he's been one of the success stories from non-league from Stevenage, Jack Taylor who played with until very recently, Lee Tomlin, he played with at Rushton and Diamonds and he's doing doing really well at the minute in the championship. Lee Angle, uh, who you're at Boreham Wood with. Callum Wilson, uh, wonder whatever happened to him. Uh, that was at Ketton and Tamworth on loan. Uh, Jamie Vardy, uh, obviously FC Halifax and Fleetwood. Andre Gray at Luton. Kevin Gallen, who used to be at QPR, but you, you saw him at Luton and Braintree. Simeon Jackson, Rushton and Diamonds. Kevin Nichols, Luton Town and... Scott Loach is your subkeeper, Hartlepool and Barnet. Yes, not a not a bad team. <laughs> yeah. So which is the one that you haven't seen? Which was the one that you only watched then and hadn't played with or against? Well, the one that I watched was uh, George Boyd. When I was younger, um, we played. We had a team. I used to play in a, like in a local league in Luton, and there was a team in Stevenage as well. Um, we all used to kind of win the league, and I don't know who I don't know who it was. I had an old coach called uh, Robbie O'Keefe, who I'm not I'm not sure what he does now. I think he works at Premier League academies and organises trips and stuff. But anyway, he somehow got us together, and we formed Stevenage. Um, I think under 15s and under 16s, and that would have been 15s. 15 odd years ago, 14, 15 years ago, uh, at the time when George Boyd was playing. So we used to go watch Stevenage in the conference. And he was just class. He was just, you've seen obviously the career he had. But the way that he moved and with the ball, he was just on another level. Um, And I remember it it clearly watching him. Um, and like, well, played against him this pre-season for Peterborough. Obviously, he's kind of in a different role now. But yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was a special player there. There's a lot of big characters in this team, um, and you know, I think you're getting close to a thousand football league appearances between them. Um, who do you think would be the skipper? Probably McNulty. There's a few others that could be could put. Um, Keno as captain. Obviously, Kevin Nichols was was my was the captain when I was at Luton. Um, but yeah, McNulty's um, he's a natural born leader, really, isn't he, on the pitch. And a cracking example too, Callum, of someone who obviously has never been blessed with pace, but reads the game well. And and, and whilst obviously you're a more or have been <laughs> a more mobile player, I think that's a probably one of the best qualities you need to be a good consistent defender it's not just about how fast you can run uh, it's about how fast you can think and react isn't it yeah definitely and through watching him and playing against him I've never really never really seen him get done um, and if he did 
in the next instance, the striker would be on the floor with studs like in his leg. So he probably wouldn't get done again twice in one game. A really good example is how he handled Idris Kanu in the playoff games, isn't it, Callum? I mean, you, if, I, if I'm straight and honest about it, he did get away with things that he should have been cautioned or sent off for. But that was part of his skill in a way. And I'm not saying I admire it, but he was able to just not know just his position, the player's position, the referee's position. If he could get away with something that the officials wouldn't notice, he'd do it. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, that's obviously comes with experience, but wanting to be a winner as well and winning any way possible. I know football's changed a lot now from what it used to be. When I was younger, especially in the 90s, some of the best defenders in the world were Italians. And you could say they were some of the dirtiest, but they knew how to how to get the job done, uh, whether that's sort of what they call the dark arts, which at the top level, you can't get away with it anymore with all the cameras and stuff. Um, but yeah, to get any edge over your opponent um, and to be able to get away with it, it's uh, it's definitely a skill. Um, it's quite a skill. It must be one. You, you're not too bad at it, Callum. I think was it only two or three yellow cards this season? Yeah, not too bad. I um, well, I put that down to good. Ta- I'm good at tackling as well, but reading <laughs> the game as well. So I don't. I rarely put myself in a position where I have to I have to kind of take a yellow. So. Um, yeah, not too bad myself at it. <laughs> it's funny you mention that about the Italian defenders. I mean, Franco Beres is the perfect example. He was never quick, was he? But he was just everywhere. And and I suppose that's a, that's the secret to being a good, a good not just a good defender, but a good player in general. Because you see midfielders like that who don't have pace, who just stand in the centre circle, but they can ping it about because they have such a good reading of the game. Yeah, I mean, you look at, well, talk about Italians as well. Look at Perlo. Yeah. He definitely wasn't one of the quickest players, but one of the best midfielders to probably ever play football. Mm. Um, and then you look at, everyone talks how highly, especially foreign players, how highly they regard Paul Scholes. And again, you wouldn't say he's anywhere near one of the quickest players, even in the top half of the team. But to be two steps ahead of everyone else in your head on the pitch counts for more than being two yards in pace quicker than someone else. One question or two questions to you about a couple of players in your team, Callum. Just briefly, really, on Jamie Vardy. I'm, I'm, I'm presuming from this and what you said that you played against him. How was that experience? Uh, and then also probably the freshest name on this team list. Uh, talk us through the qualities of, of, of Jack Taylor. Yeah, well, Vardy, I didn't, I didn't actually play against him. I was at Tamworth, the year I was at Tamworth. And um, the year that Fleetwood won it, and McNulty was actually playing for Fleetwood as well. It was when they were they had a good bit of money for the non-league, and Vardy was just—he's not much different to what he is now. He was—he just would have been horrible to play against. I really wanted to play. I remember I was fuming as well because the centre back—I was on the bench and the centre back got sent off, and I thought, oh, "This is my chance to come on." Got warmed up and. He brought a midfielder on and done something. I was fuming because um, I would have loved to have just played against him. Um, but obviously you see him where he's gone on from there. Um, but even the same as... I'd put him in the same bracket as Callum Wilson. When, mm. they, when people say they're kind of like non-league strikers, but they're not. They're Premier League strikers. And they're both <laughs> both England goal, like goal scorers and strikers yep. now. 
And the main fundamental with that is just working hard. The ability, that, don't get me wrong, they've got great ability, but if you don't work hard and use all of your skills, then you're not going to, because you've seen players come and go in the non-league and you think how they're not played higher, but if your attitude and your effort is not not a hundred percent, then you, you rarely you're gonna you're gonna rarely gonna go higher. Words that you perhaps shared with Jack Taylor before he departed Barnet. Definitely, and he, yeah, he was special, and I put him in because I think he can go he can go on and play even higher as well. I think it changed a mentality change. I think he went away. He got called up to Ireland twenty ones. Uh, first time was in the summer in the off season and then a few times in the season and I just just saw a change in him I think he played a game for a training game for the under 21s against the first team and he scored so again that not only gives you confidence but belief in yourself that you're good enough to do that and then it started to come through because his ability he has everything in his game both sides as well Um but that belief and almost arrogance that you can do it every game against anyone, and which he obviously started to show and got his just rewards with the move as well. Tom, were you the one who said that you can see Jack Taylor representing Ireland within the next year or so? Yeah, I thought that. I thought he could be the next player from the National League to get full international honours, um, you know, partly in, uh, because of the incredible ability that Callum's just referenced, but also because the Republic of Ireland are terrible at the moment. Um, so I don't think it's unreasonable that they'd be calling people up from the lower leagues. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll be. I'm sure you'll be more, most welcome in Dublin soon, Tom. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, one other question for you, Callum, on this team. Um, looking at how high some of the players have risen, you know, the likes of Callum Wilson, Jamie Vardy, Andre Gray, it's notable that the players who tend to rise the highest from the non-league system are strikers or attacking midfielders. Do you think it's easier for them to get scouted because... You can look at stats. You can, they're the ones who grab the headlines. Whereas maybe some of the defenders who are putting in those consistent 7 out of 10 performances that you were talking about earlier, 7, 8 out of 10 performances, is it harder for them to get that move? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I've said it, if I have a boy, he's going to play up front because as a, as a defender and even a goalkeeper, you can be the best player for 93 minutes. But if you mess up once and the other team score, you lose 1-0, it's almost like you're the villain. Whereas a striker, it's almost the opposite. You could be the worst player for 93 minutes. And if you get that winner last minute, you're the hero and everyone loves you. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you can, especially if you have one great season as a striker and you get a lot of goals and you just, you just need a bit of luck for someone to take that gamble on you. Whereas, I remember before... My dad sent me a newspaper article about um, Jolien Lescott and Everton watched him for two years when he was at Wolves. I think they were in the championship. Um, and he, I think he was outstanding for the whole time. Um, but it took him two years. You know what I mean? He could have had one great year and then maybe dipped his confidence or form thinking I'm not going to get anywhere. Um, and that's at, the, that's at the top level, do you know what I mean, as a centre half. Whereas, if you're a young, especially if you're a young striker, if you have a great, even if you have a great start to the season, you only got to get to Christmas, and you could be off in January. Do you know what I mean? So, I definitely think it is harder for defenders and 
and goalkeepers as well um, to kind of stand out. As I was talking about earlier, you're probably not, unless, you, unless you're defending for your life or you're making saves all game, you're rarely going to get a man with a match performance from a sort of centre-half or a goalkeeper. You're talking about heroes and villains. And one player in this team, Callum, who I think pretty much has ticked both boxes over the years, somebody I've seen play probably in the middle of his career at Peterborough quite a lot, but Lee Tomlin. What was he like right back in the day? I, I, I mean, he must have matured a little bit now. And I saw him when he was at Peterborough. But presumably you knew him, played with him right back in the day at Russian and Diamonds? Yeah, so I came in and that was when they had... They just finished having third-year scholars. So when you had a YTS, you'd have three years back in the day. And then the year before I went as a YT was the last year where they had third years. He was in his first year, and I heard about this wonder kid. He'd gone on trial at Liverpool. He'd nutmeg Jamie Carragher, and he was cocky as they come. He had the worst tattoos, and... uh, but his ability was frightening. Um, and yeah, he's gone on to have... I'm not surprised how high he's gone to, gone on to play. Uh, didn't really work out at Bournemouth for him. Um, again, I don't think that's ability-wise. I think from what I've gathered and know about Eddie Howe and the types of players that he wants, he's probably not... He's, he's a special talent rather than kind of a... I wouldn't say he's not a team player, but if if you know what I'm trying to get at, he's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, he, he, he's, 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 a special, who, he's a special game yeah. winner, but yeah, he's not going to be. There's some weeks where you might not get anything from him. Do you know what I mean? A maverick, yeah. a bit of a maverick. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's word, a yeah. great word. He's almost seems to resurrect his career under Neil Harris at Cardiff because he went back on loan to Peterborough last year, did he? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's um, one of my best mates. Marlon Packer, I played him in the youth team. He's at he's at Cardiff as well with him, and he knows him and loves him. He was at Bristol City with him as well, and he seems to have yes, this just seems to have been been a blessing for him really with the change of manager. He was in um he was in the four four two top fifty players in the football league this month at the age of thirty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not surprising from what I saw, um, and a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a hothead. I was going to say, did you see much? Yeah, I was going to say, did you did you see much of his temper? I mean, I I haven't watched that many Peterborough games myself. Um, my boys both support uh, Peterborough, living in Cambridgeshire, but um, I think two of the Peterborough games I have seen, he did get sent off. <laughs> yeah, and obviously being in close contact with him and seeing around the place, um, but I think it's just because he wanted to win. And sometimes, like you said, you you only see him in that 90 minutes on a Saturday, and you think this geezer's like, what's he doing? He's setting the team down. And there is a bit, there is a fine line where you can cross where it ends up costing the team. But yeah, I think it's just not another thing that comes with it is he just he just wanted to win, so it's not not a bad thing to have. Now a lot of people have been doing uh, virtual quizzes in the downtime, and I know Tom, you've devised a, a nice little quiz, haven't you? Yeah, so we've got a little quiz. Um, we're going to play the super fan versus the National League player on a National League trivia. It's five questions. Um, and because of the way that we're going to have to do it over the phone, 
I'm going to get answers from both of you, so I'll take it in turn. So Rob, you'll go first, Callum second, then on the next question, Callum will go first, and Rob, so that you can't just copy each other's answers all the way through. Can we just clear up if I'm the super fan or the National League player? <laughs> well, Callum, have you heard about him? Uh, have you heard about him beating Ben Killip and it hitting the bar in England training? He's not told anyone about that. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. I've not heard that story, so it's a, it's a first for me. <laughs> okay, so question one is a two-point question each, and basically, I'm going to ask you for the name of four teams. So I'll ask Rob for one team, then Callum for another, Rob for one, and then Callum for one. So, question one. Oldershot Town last qualified for the playoffs in 2018, but who were the four relegated teams that year? First one from Rob. I will go for... Uh, I was going to go Braintree, but they were the following year, weren't they? Um... Good job you're recording this, Luke. You can take the time legs out. I going to say, how long do you want, Rob? <laughs> it's a yeah. time limit, Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, who would have gone down a couple of seasons? It's, really, it's so much easier to do last season. I'll go for Chester. Correct. Chester did go down. Callum? Two years ago. Um, Woking? Correct, yep. Oh, no. Is that back Back to me again? (laughs) It is, yeah. Two to go. If Woking went down and come straight back, so did Torquay, didn't they? Torquay? Very good. I like uh, I like that you've shown you're working there as well. And then Callum for the final one. You've killed me. I had, had Torquay in the locker. I've given give away, give away the secret there, didn't I? Shall I be very <laughs> decent? I've worked it out. Shall I be very decent and give Callum a clue? The other team yeah, that why? went down, the other team that went down, finished bottom, and oh. do you remember the really long unbeaten run that Aldershot had? And then they went away to play this team, and it was the first game that I ever commentated on as the regular BBC commentator. And the shots lost it one nil. There's your clue. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to picture different grounds across the country as well. Um, it's one that had shared sports around it. That's another little clue. And all the shot well, played in the park first off. half, but it was nil nil. Um. Oh, was it Gateshead? It wasn't Gateshead, was it? No. Yeah. Right, let uh, go on, Bob. Yeah, I think, oh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty the, sure it's Geisley. Geisley, Geisley. It was Geisley, yes. Yeah, Geisley. Like, what a terrible <laughs> place to play. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tom, if you're listening. Tom Feeney. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember from that so, day yeah. as well, Rob, we got yeah. the train up to Leeds, yeah, and we got taxis from Leeds train station to Guiseley, and the Gaffar and Rowie taxi never turned up, so we were all sitting in the changing rooms to, uh, about half two, and no staff was there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bad oh. start to the day, and it only got worse, really. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, question two. Um, Callum, you'll go first on this one. Notts yeah. County have the largest National League stadium with 19,588, but who is second? Uh, I think it's out of, I don't know, Chesterfield was ground, but I think it's out of maybe, I'm trying to think of the teams now. Wrexham and Yeovil, I reckon it'll be out of. I'm going to go, no, do you know, I've never even been to Yeovil, so uh, I'm going to go Chesterfield. Okay, and from you, Rob? Um, I, I think Yeovil's a decent size, Hartlepool's a decent size. I think it's, it's very, very close between Chesterfield and Wrexham. I, I'll go for Wrexham. Okay, um, you're both close. Chesterfield, 10,504. Wrexham, 10,771. But it's Stockport County with 10,852. Wow. Oh, do you know, Edgley I didn't Park. play there. I missed it. That was the second to last game before they stopped and I didn't, I didn't play. So, uh, good question. Yeah, so yeah, fair enough if you've not played that. I, I must admit, boys, that's a great question, Tom. I really would have thought it was going to be Wrexham. Yeah, I thought Wrexham. Apart from the I fact thought it would be Wrexham as well. Quite surprised. Apart from the fact that there's that big, empty, open stand at Wrexham that, that nobody else ever watches the game in. Callum, Callum's been in it. After scoring, yeah. I think I think if I remember, you, <laughs> you, you got a near post header from a corner and then ended up jumping the fence and you were in that back stand, weren't you? Yeah, the speed the speed of the run and header took me in there, and uh, luckily there was no fans in there because I ended up quite far in. But yeah, I've been in there. <laughs> and Tom, special mark for you, the quiz master, for finding a question that somehow led to us connecting to a Callum Re- a rare Callum Reynolds goal. <laughs> <laughs> Chris right. will be shaking his head at home now, won't he? That he didn't say Stockport County. Yeah, he will. He will. Chris, he's not on the screen. <laughs> yeah, Chris Pratt's going to be screaming at his um at his headphones when he listens to this on the podcast. Right, question three. So, Rob, you'll answer first on this. Who is the top-scoring non-UK national in this season's National League? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I think I know, though. Um, I'm going to show my ignorance because I've got to go for my man, but I bet he probably is a UK international. But I'm going to go for Kabongo Shimanga. Okay, Kabongo Shimanga from Rob. Uh, Callum? So non, non English or British? UK. So English, okay. uh, English, well, Northern Irish or Scottish. I should say you, you're allowed to put him in the answer. I'm going to say Simeon Akinola. He's definitely not British. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And he's our top goal scorer, so I'll go with him. Simeon Akinola. It is uh, just down the road from you in Barnet, the winner. But Rob's correct. It's Kabongo Shimanga. Oh, Democratic get Republic. in. Uh, what, what's um, Kabongo's nationality? He is Democratic Republic of Congo. I was expecting Luke. Uh, I was expecting Rob to get that one right, to be fair, considering I'm quite certain he follows Shimanga around during the week. <laughs> no, I just won't let it lie, and this would be the seventh mention of this in the podcast this season. The fact that he was at Aldershot on loan and didn't look very good in training, and therefore didn't get picked, <laughs> even though he scores every week. Him and Connor Hall. Uh, 
That's different. Connor lives in my town. <laughs> okay, question four. What, uh, Callum, you'll be first this one. Um, what was the last season that the division was called the Football Conference ahead of the name change? The last season, I'm going to say 2009-2010 season. Okay, and from Rob? Well, I don't think it's anywhere near that far back. Um, to my mind, it's been called the National League for about five or six seasons. Uh, what's this, 2021? Um, what, was the question, when did it start or what was the last season? Last season as the football conference. Um, 14-15. Spot on. 14-15 is correct. Oh, get in. <laughs> Fair play, Rob. The thing is, though, what's, what's annoying, Callum, and I don't know if you did it for a couple of seasons or not, but when you interview people, there's still players who, who, who or, and managers as well. You still call it the conference now. They've got to get with it. They've got to get with the times, haven't they? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it is strange. I've only got used to sort of saying it the last couple of years. But yeah, it's just, obviously growing up, it was just the conference. I still think of it as the Vauxhall Conference, to be honest, based on teletext when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your age now. Come on then, Tom, what's the final question? For God's sake, pick one that Callum's going to get right. He likes to win. <laughs> I know. Okay. I hate losing. <laughs> question five then. Rob first. Who who is the most expensive player ever transferred out of the National League? And for a bonus point, how much did he cost? Uh, okay, I don't know how much um, Peterborough played for Dwight Gale. Um, the one that sticks in my mind, and it's probably been beaten, um, but I go with Aaron McLean from. Grays to Peterborough, um, round about the one million mark. Okay, Aaron McLean. And for uh, for Callum, uh, Vardy to Leicester for a million. Unfortunately, Vardy was playing for Fleetwood Town at the time, so he wasn't in the National League. Yeah, but he got bought that season. Yeah, it's got to be transferred out of the National League. <laughs> he was in the Football League by then, wasn't he? Yeah, I'll let you have another go because yeah, it's, just someone another go. it's someone we've spoken about quite a lot today. So he doesn't, hang on, so hang on, ask the question again. So who was the most expensive player purchased direct from the National League? Okay. Uh, well, you should be talking about him today. Oh, I don't know, it's not Jack Taylor, is it? If, if you were to answer with Jack Taylor, you'd be doing quite well. Yeah, well, I'll probably go Jack Taylor then. <laughs> <laughs> finish on a high, Callum. <laughs> yeah, finish on a high. And uh, I know starting at five hundred thousand. Yes, so that is the correct answer. It was Jack Taylor at five hundred thousand. Wow, I'll text him today because that's, uh, that's a good thing that's to know. Crazy. Yeah, what was, the funny one I thought was a bit. Uh, Obviously, they won the league and then he got bought, didn't he? That's it. Yeah. What about Aaron McLean? Um, Aaron McLean was one hundred and fifty thousand, Rob. Ah, really? Okay. I think what it what's probably blurring my memory. It's not an excuse, but I think at one point Aaron McLean did go for one million. Maybe it was his transfer from Peterborough to Wolves. 
anyway, we'll, we'll, it doesn't really matter. It's incorrect. Callum's finished with a with a win. What's the what's the final scores on the doors, Tom? Final scores. Well, it was closer because Callum got the the fee right as well for Jack Taylor. So a five three victory for the super fan overall. Oh, nice one, nice one. But get, but thank you very much for um for, for coming up. Some great questions, Tom. Yeah, yeah no worries. Question. Well done. We'll have to do that every week. Next time we get next time we get a player on, we'll just get Rob. We'll pit Rob's wits against him. <laughs> I'd, I'd quite like to get Dicky versus a Telford player at some point. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Callum, um, have you had much of this kind of stuff going on with that? I mean, obviously, I know you'll have had your, you know, your, your 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 training instructions, and you'll have kept in touch with some of the boys at Barnet, but uh, have they arranged anything like this, any sort of Zoom or house party quizzes or anything like that? No, not really. Um, I've had a few, I have a core club, so a little gym core sessions on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday with Lochi and uh, Elliot Johnson. So we've carried that on. We used to do that at the club anyway, so we carried that on over videos, but no, nah, not with the team. There's not been. Um, maybe I should organise one. Actually, you've inspired me to get the get the boys all together. Um, mm. You've got five questions yeah, already to ask him. This is true, <laughs> but then all them boys probably have got no idea any of the answers for that. So I might have to get a few <laughs> few simpler ones for them. Have you been TikToking, Callum? No, I haven't. I've seen a few videos, but I've uh, I've not downloaded the account yet. And luckily, my missus hasn't asked me. But so, but I don't know. This is actually week six for me because I had two weeks at home already with concussion before this even started. So yeah, um, uh, but I'm hanging in there. I'm doing all right. I'm keeping myself keeping myself busy physically and mentally. So I'm not I'm not not too close to cracking up with a TikTok account yet. <laughs> I think more importantly, um, have any of you have any of you guys got one? I bet Rob secretly got one. No, I've not. <laughs> I've, I've actually been debating the merits of TikTok with my oldest son Matt. I think he thinks it's great. To be honest, I haven't been that impressed with some of the ones that I've seen yet. But I think the capabilities there. I don't think people are fully embracing it how they can yeah. just yet. I was just thinking what what life must be like for a dog at the moment for any of the dogs out there. I can almost imagine like the opposite to normal. Someone says, looks at the dog and says, right, time to go for a walk. And the dog goes, oh, not again. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a puppy just before Christmas and she's never been so happy that we're here all the time. So I don't think it's going to be great whenever we do go back to work for her, but just enjoy it while we can. Brill, well, <laughs> well Callum, um, thanks for joining us this week. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it. Brill, Rob, thank you, and congratulations on your win. Yeah, never mind all that, Callum. Brilliant guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, take care. I hope you get to play some more football again this season, and uh, good luck for the rest of your time at Barnet. Fingers crossed. Cheers, Rob. Tom, uh, Tom, thank you as well, and uh, uh, well done on your Quizmaster skills, and we'll definitely try and get Dickie up against someone soon. Uh, I think that would be great to do. Um, always a pleasure to join you guys for a recording. Cheers, and that's it. Um, well, thank you very much for listening in. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a follow on Twitter at an full time, and stay safe, stay indoors, and, and wash your hands. Until then, see you all very soon.